Welcome back to the Scarcity Podcast. This is your host, Mike, and my co-host, Scott. How are you doing today, man? I'm nasally. I'm going to be sniffing this episode. I'm going to try to edit it out as much as I can, but like it's, it's going to be a pain in the ass. It's allergy season, and I'm feeling it. Yep, I'm getting my ass kicked too. Not nearly as much as you. You have you're you're a very sneezy allergic person. Me, I'm more so just congested. Well, today wasn't too bad because I took my allergy pill, but like the yeah. last two days have been really shit because I forgot to take it in the morning. But you know, it's supposed to be 24 hours, but after about like 10 hours, it starts to just wear off a bit. So yeah, I'm just stupid and I don't take medication for my allergies. So. I used to not have to. It wasn't a big deal, but this year after we got our vaccinations, like my immune system is still rebuilding itself, so the allergies just hit a little bit harder. Hopefully, in a few weeks, I'll be fine. Yeah, there's been a lot of pollen too. At the job we've been working at, yes. Yeah. So today we're going to be discussing a 2016 home invasion horror movie called Hush. It's directed by a very prolific director these days, especially Mike Flanagan who is, most most people who are watching this would probably know from things like Haunting of Hill House, Doctor, Doctor Sleep, Sleep uh, Oculus, uh, the good Ouija movie. So he, he's he's been around the block and he's he's right now currently, I think for a lot of people in the community, a lot of people really, really support him as far as being like one of our foremost horror directors, him and like Ari Aster and all that shit. So. He's great. I just want to go a little off topic right now. I fucking hate looking at the word Ouija. Like, when I look at it, it infuriates me. Because I want to say Ouija, because that's how it's spelled. And it's like, oh, it's a Ouija, like a Ouija board. And it's like, whoever spelled it like that needs to be fucking just shot down and just beat to death. I hate that spelling. I I see it, and I'm mad. So if someone makes a movie with that in it, I'm, oh, it just infuriates me. I hate just seeing the font. The font annoys me. I still haven't seen his Ouija movie. I won't. <laughs> I, I, I fucking hate it. I hate that word. I know it's on Hulu, and I've seen most of his movies, so at this point I'm just feel like I'm just gonna pop on, pop it on, and see if it's any good. It looks, it actually looks good. Yeah, the word doesn't. The first one was apparently horrible. It's a stupid so. subject. Uh, we don't have to go on about the whole Ouija yeah. thing. I just, ooh, it fucking pisses me off. Yeah, no. Um. <laughs> This is a movie that I watched, uh, I think, last year for the first time. Or maybe it might have been the year before. But I watched it during our... Like, we usually do the... We talked about this before. We usually do like a, a horror marathon in October. And yeah. I was running out of things. I was like, I really want to watch this. And I was scrolling through Netflix and I saw it. And I'm like, the premise behind this sounds fascinating. So I watched it. I really, really like this movie um, quite a bit. Uh, how do you feel about it? I think the idea is really cool. And individually, I love a lot of shit in it. I don't think all together I love the movie, but I really like it. Especially for like a more underappreciated and less bombastic horror film for nowadays. I appreciate it more. And yep. there's things that are really well done that I'd like to see in more independent type horror films. But it, there's some things that keep me away from loving it, but I'm really glad I watched it. Yeah, I think one of the, the things I appreciate about it, you, you brought it up, the low-key nature of it just from a um, production standpoint, because it's a isolated thriller. It's, it's a movie that takes place in one location the entire film. And it's a movie that I can't imagine had too much money behind it. It's, it's, very, it's got 
one set location. It's got very few actors in it, but it they really made the most of what they had. They really used the uh, the geography of the house to their advantage, setting up a lot of great uh, tracking shots and revealing the the killer in a lot of cool ways. Um, I'm just very impressed by the the level of technical proficiency in this movie, especially for for what I assume is a pretty low budget. I mean, it's just just showcasing. I can't remember. I mean, this this is this is definitely an independently made film, at least in comparison, because I I think this came out after Ouija two. So he had done a, and I think after Oculus, so he had done two, at least two studio films. But it seems like maybe he just wanted to make a smaller low-key film because he, he, actually, you know, he's really fascinated with these, like, low-key, small-scale, isolated movies because Oculus mostly takes place in one house. Mm-hmm. Can't talk about Ouija. Can't say. Um, but, like, Haunting a Hill House is a very, very personal story that's not like big and bombastic and crazy dr sleep is very different too you yeah know? i haven't it's... seen dr sleep yet i ha- i own it i haven't watched it yet uh but i mean it's 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 based on the shining and it's it's a it's a sequel to both the movie and the book you, you know what's funny um, honestly is it's gonna it's gonna be a huge movie in comparison, yeah. so i think it's funny we you know to get behind the curtain a little bit like we have things planned for the next like two months for what we want to do for the podcast but we had two slots for this movie and then the next one which like it's like filler to us and we couldn't think of things that would be appropriate to put here it would have been fun if we could have just done the shining in dr sleep you know what in, yeah. yeah it would have been smart i wouldn't have thought of that honestly till now but it yeah, you know still would have gotten a flanagan out of the way you know what though that would be a fun double feature to do at least i mean like the first one would really do well in like november or december because a lot of yeah. that takes place in a really frigid atmosphere yeah i can't really speak for dr sleep but i think that would be a really fun thing to do towards yeah. the end of the i haven't seen shining in god knows how long it'd be really nice to catch up on that and i haven't wanted to watch dr sleep because i want to rewatch shining first so it'd be a good thing yeah. to stick it out i did you the know, same we, thing we, you talked about how we used to do the marathons for October and you know when I did do it I would make sure my list is complete I would have at least one per day for a horror film for all of October nowadays my sketch was a lot tighter I have a lot more things to do and that's kind of nice that even though we are I, I won't be able to do it this October it's just not possible but with us having the podcast and us talking about new experiences it's like we don't have to do it one day of October we do it at least once a week, every day of the week, which is cool. Yeah, and and realistically, it'll be probably more than that. But yeah, I don't. But at the bare minimum, it'll be at least. We're four. forced, if not mandated, to watch more. You yeah, know what I mean? Course. Yeah, I mean, like it, the nice thing, I I love doing that. I think it was unwise, especially for me. You were able to do it. I wasn't able to do it. I've never once hit thirty-one. Um, but even so, I, there's so many movies I don't think I would have experienced for a long time if I hadn't. This one included. Yeah. I don't think I would have ever watched this movie, at least not as as fast as I did, because I was literally just looking for something to watch. I couldn't find something I really wanted to watch that either was a classic that I hadn't seen or some like, underseen gem from a, from a previous decade. I could not find something. 
I 100% would tell you I would never have watched this. And yeah. it's going to sound like a douchey thing to say, but if it's a horror film on Netflix, I'm not going to fucking watch it. I don't blame you. I mean, the I old... go on Netflix and I see horror and I'm like, this looks like dog shit. And I turn off the app. Off the top of, the, off the top of my head, I can only think of two, two horror films that are consistently on Netflix. One's a Netflix original, so it's always going to be on there. That are horror films I would actually recommend people watch that I know of off the top of my head. That's this one. And uh, Apostle, which is a, it's a Netflix original. Those are the only two that I can think of on the side of my head. Netflix's horror selection is usually... Don't they have yeah. It Follows, though? I think that's usually on Netflix. I thought that's usually on Hulu. Um, Maybe. I'm Hulu. not positive. But generally, off the top of my head, the, like most of Netflix's horror output, to me at least, is ass. Yeah, I... Whether the it be reason is because it's on there. And I always say, like, well, if this movie's on Netflix, I probably don't want to watch it. It, you know, it sounds very elitist, but I just don't like their catalog very much. Actually, there's one that's on there. I think it's another original that people say is really good. I think it's called The Ritual. Well, they have The Babysitter on there, too, but I think it's more like a tongue-in-cheek type film. I, I think that's more of a comedy. I haven't seen, yeah, seen either I haven't one of those. I haven't seen it, though. but I hear other people talk about it. Yeah, I hear people say it's fun. It's got Samara Weaving in it, so that's pretty cool. I like her a lot. Yeah, she's awesome. But yeah. To hush, you know. I think a lot of this dialogue is going to go you talking about things and I pick out things I don't like about it but I I think there's a lot of things that I do love in it but you even mentioned how it is a small isolated location and I love that about horror films I've we've had 11 episodes and I've talked almost every episode about why I like that about horror is isolation taking a small small set and then utilizing it the one thing they could have done in the intro is have her go to every single room that's going to be used in the movie so you can get an idea of it. Because they have her go be in, like, the kitchen and, like, just, like, the living room area. So you get to know those areas pretty well. I would love, and I mean, I would have loved if they went to every area she was going to be, even if it's just, like, she's on the roof at one point. They just have, like, angles of her, like, cleaning stuff off of her roof or something. Yeah. I think that would have been awesome. That's one thing I think they could have done, but that's a hindsight thing that I think I like a lot about having isolated locations is that, hey, we're only going to see this. Let's do some buildup for these locations so it has a little bit more flavor to it. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely can understand that. I think that they effectively do it enough as far as, like, yeah. knowing where everything is because... It's mostly like they, they, they go to places and revisit them throughout the movie so you know yeah. where they are in relation to each other. But I do agree that it would have added a bit more of a layer of maybe even like a more lived-in feeling for the, for the home if That's you saw her thing. doing tasks. You want to feel like you stepped your foot in there a few times before the home invader does. Yeah, I can totally, I can totally see that. And, and I can I can definitely see your perspective on that for sure. But that's going to be most of what I'm saying is just small little minor nitpicks I would have changed. But I do think overall... Like, yeah, I, I watched this with a, funds a relative word, I guess to use, but it's a very interesting time. So a lot, of, not a lot of times I watch a movie where I'm like, I actually sit up like, oh wait a minute, hold on, and I've done this at least two or three times in this film, which is speaks a testament to it. Yeah, I we I watched this with my um, my girlfriend, her sister, and uh, my roommate, and they're fans of Mike Flanagan's work because they love the Haunting of Hill House a lot. 
Uh, so I was like, hey, you know, like you guys haven't seen this movie. It's one of his more like lesser talked about movies. We should watch this one together. So we all sat down and watched it. And we had to watch something very happy afterwards because they were both very terrified. I don't know if I mean, like that's I guess that's the job well done <laughs> for, for Mike Flanagan. But um, yeah, I I remember watching this the first time and being just immensely impressed by the level of, again, technical craft, especially uh you know, very early on in the movie, the lighting goes out, and it, the film is mostly filmed in darkness. I won't say it's natural lighting; it's not natural light, but it's very dark. But it's not like you can't see what's going on. No, um, there's sometimes I wish it was a little bit brighter because I feel like I wanted to see some things that were going on, and it's a little too dark. Yeah, that just—that's the atmosphere they wanted for the film, so it does make sense. It's kind of funny because the TV we were watching it on—it's uh, so dim at parts. And also, there's, like, moments where she's just not moving, or she's just waiting. The TV actually went into, like, a screensaver mode almost. Like, it was it, it dimmed itself slightly so it doesn't burn itself out. Oh, wow. And we didn't know that that's what happened until finally what happens later on the scene where the, the um, her friend's boyfriend shows up, which is one of your favorite scenes. Yeah. Uh, when we got to that scene, the screen brightened up. That's funny, dude, because <laughs> I had a similar problem is because when the, the film starts, so the lead actress in the film, she's supposed to be deaf. So that means a lot of the film, you're not hearing anything or it's just completely silent. And that's great. But the opening credits were silent. <laughs> and yeah. I genuinely thought there was a problem with my with my television because I've had a problem with it one time before. I'm like, Wait, is the fucking television broken? And I had to close the app and then start it back up. And I had to listen to, like, one of the trailers on Netflix. Like, okay, I hear the trailer, so the app is fine. And I press the movie again. I'm like, it's still not fucking saying anything. And then, boom. Like, okay, it's a stupid fucking gimmick. Okay, great. You fooled me, guys. Yeah. I I love the, the adherence to that in the film. Another thing about the movie that impressed me is, obviously, the actress is not actually deaf yeah. or mute. But they definitely seem to go all out on having her learn sign language and showcasing it pretty prominently in the film. And my, my girlfriend and, and her sister are um, OTs. So they were they were watching it and they were impressed by that too. They were they were really, really impressed of the attention to detail. Yeah, I, I really like I really appreciated the whole I mean the whole the whole her being deaf angle was what drew me to the movie initially anyways. When I read the, the synopsis, it says a deaf mute girl is stalked by, you know, a, a masked killer. I was like, that's terrifying <laughs> because she can't, obviously she can't hear. So how is she going to defend herself against that? And I really do. And I really do like the way that they, uh, they showcase how she adapts during, uh, throughout the film. You know, she, she breaks out of the house. She winds up underneath the steps and she puts her hand up on the deck and feels him walking, feels the vibrations of him walking. Really cool attention to detail. Uh, as far as, as well as like she feels a draft behind her, so she knows that he's behind her and all that stuff. They really do uh, do a pretty good job of leaning into that disability in the film to maximize tension. This is minor gripe number two. <laughs> I wish they utilized it more. I wish they really kicked into the aspect of, of her being deaf and like try to find more things that maybe a deaf person would have in the household that would be accustomed to how they would operate 
during this type of thing. The one thing they do that they really do well in it is the fire alarm. They set it up in the beginning saying, wow, that's really loud. Some fire alarm, she goes, you know, if you science, I have to feel the vibrations. Which yeah. is great. I think that's really, really smart. But it's the only thing that does transfer over really to showcase later on if she uses that fire alarm to her benefit. I wish there was more things they also would set up like that to make her feel more unique besides just the fact that she is deaf. I think they should have tried to kick a little bit more into that. I don't think it's that it's done bad or done poorly. It's just, like you said, that's a really interesting premise. So you say, that's why I went to the premise. I would agree. That's why I said, I, I'll, I'm fine with doing this movie. I just would have liked to see that premise utilized a little bit more. Yeah, I think that I think if this movie wasn't like, it, it's very clear that Flanagan wanted to make about the most bare bones thriller he possibly could. Yeah, and the thing about it that impresses me is that while he definitely does scale back on a lot of development for characters and stuff, he does make a point to really show you very important, pertinent, efficient information. Yeah, to get you invested in the main character, you know, showing that she has loved ones, showing her dealing with her disability, um, her having nearby friends, and all that stuff. They even set up she has an ex-boyfriend who she may or may not get back together with. Uh, I, I, I appreciated that, and you know, you have a, a short scene with her and her friend where you get to, to understand their relationship. She has a cat, who she affectionately names Bitch. Uh, but it's all stuff that draws you into the character enough for you to really be interested in seeing her live. Um, she feels real. She feels like a real person. And that's like, the this most is a short thing to it. Yeah, this is a short film. It's eight, yeah. it's an hour and twenty two. I think hour twenty two, hour twenty four minutes. It's a very short yeah. movie. But it consistently, again, like character is an important thing in horror. And like, yeah, we don't get like you know a huge drawn out sequence. You know building up this character but you get very efficiently information to the point where like you're seeing her relationship with her sister over FaceTime and you know her dealing with her cat and her with her friend her cooking food the fire alarm situation set up and then they very smartly show you the back of the book that she wrote as a writer and you see you know like they, they even without having to tell you they show you why she's deaf and mute and the cool thing about it is one of the things that I forgot about when I was watching it the first time is we get to the part at the end, which is something we'll circle back to, I'm sure, uh, about the whole uh, writer's brain thing. And she's talking to herself in her mind. And when I first watched it, I was like, wait a second, she's mute and deaf. How does she know what she sounds like? I mean, again, like when you're thinking about yourself in your head, you don't really need to know that stuff. They established that. But- Again, yeah, like, I, I came back around to it, and I'm like, oh, wait, that's right. They established that at the age of 13, she came down with the meningitis. Well, and e- even even different, though, it's... The guy says it, too. The, the, the friend says, when you hear a voice, like a kid's voice, she goes, when I hear a voice, it's my mother's voice. Yeah. So the voice that you're hearing in the film, you would have to assume is what she, her mom sounds like. They That's, that's expertly done. I honestly think is the whole like they did a good job of like picking apart like minor things or minor gripes someone could have and be like nope we got answers and they're not detailed explanations they're just things that a regular person would ask if they were going to meet her and I like that they don't stop the film 
to exposition dump on you. And that's yeah. what I really appreciate about the movie, because that would be easy to do. Yeah, it feels very natural with conversation, and I like that. You brought up the writer's brain thing, which is obviously minor grant for me, number three. I brought it up to you before. They do establish in the film that she has writer's brain or whatever. It's not a fucking condition, but that's what she Premium calls rush it. brain. Exactly, premium rush head. So she talks about, like, oh, I have multiple endings i see things in different ways and it's like my brain's constantly going hearing things and i love that idea i wish they would utilize that earlier because when she does make some decisions they may seem stupid but if i'm having her rationalize that beforehand as just the best decision in that moment that lends credence to it and it can be creative from the get-go the problem is they don't showcase that until near the end of the film Yes, and it's not that it's not important. When they showcase it, it is great. There's some yeah. things that could change in that scene, but I think the way it's structured is in a perfect scene, and it works very well. And you could say, if you showed it earlier on, it might lose some punch, but yeah. I feel like it would add more flavor in the film if you did showcase it earlier on, and it would lend more... I wouldn't say more emotional weight to that character, but it would make the character more unique and stand out more, and I would have liked them to do that. But yeah, again, I, minor grade. I feel like I feel the former. I, I feel like it works better as that surprise. Not surprise, but you're not thinking yeah. in the moment. Maybe most people aren't thinking about that setup earlier on in the movie. Yeah. So it feels like it, it's a needle drop moment almost. Yes, I think and, it's supposed to feel like that. Yeah, and I and I, I appreciate that. And I like it. I also see from your perspective why you why you'd think that. I also think that. The whole point of that scene, though, is that this entire movie, she isn't stopping to think. She's reacting a lot of the time. So they're showcasing her stopping and thinking, which she hasn't been doing the whole time. That can be a good thing or a bad thing. I I can see that perspective. I just think there's a lot of times when she is looking at the person, especially earlier on, she does, like, her eyes move back and forth. She's thinking about her decisions and... You know, the decision she makes is usually a good decision sometimes, too, because she's trying to... It's like when you're testing the water, you're putting your foot in. A lot of the things she does is very much just that. And I I think it works well. It's just... I think it would make more sense to have that set up. Maybe you have the voices set up in the earlier beginnings, but you don't see the actions like you do in the end. That way, the end still has that same punch, but at the same time you still have the whole writer's brain being utilized earlier on in the film. I think that's the best way I would have considered doing it, but it still functions very well narratively. Yeah, I, I could definitely see and understand that perspective. I think that you also run the risk, if you do that, of overusing that style of, I guess, storytelling. You and could. I think, I think if that... you do it in a very cheap way, sure, or you do it without like any flavor to it, but I don't know. I, I think in this film, the director showcases just how well he can work with stuff like that and making situations feel unique, so I just feel like if he were to do that, I would be so intrigued with it. I'd like to see it done that way, that's why. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing that version of the movie where we would see more of that. I do really appreciate, though, that, they, that he held... He held back on that because, again, like I said, like it's possible that it's very easy to overuse that that device. Yeah. Um, I mean, like we we've talked we talked about today. Obviously, we made the joke about it already. Premium Rush, and yeah. you know they use that pretty frequently, um, and it really works in that movie. Yeah. 
that's a very very quickly paced you know super duper we gotta get here we gotta go there we gotta yeah. go, we gotta get this done we have to get this thing we have to go 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 go, go, go. we have to see this version of the of the the crash and all that stuff it, that's all really cool and this that movie kind of suffers from something I guess this movie kind of suffers from is it's a very style over substance movie at, at, oftentimes but I think that this movie lends itself more to that kind of lower key reveal like that in my opinion again I would like to see the version of it that maybe had more of it in it yeah. just to see how I would feel about it but I, I definitely wouldn't call, count it as a negative for this one because I think no. it worked and that's why I, I, I do like phrasing it like these are minor gripes like I would prefer these changes I think they would make the film stronger in my point of view but these in no way are decisions that hurt the film these are things that I think if you changed up, you could have more of a unique taste of the film and make the film more de- like a independent and, and more of its own thing. But besides that, they, these, this film is still really fun and it's really invigorating. I just would like to see small changes. I, I could say this entire review that there is maybe like one thing I really don't like but everything else is very sound. The best thing about this film is it's so fucking competent. Like, they they were really thoughtful about what they said. This could be conceived as a problem. We have to think our way out of this. We have to make sure that doesn't this isn't stupid. The, the killer is done in a very realistic perspective. Sometimes that could be detrimental. But most of the time, it really does lean into being very effective. They really did, like... I don't know if I want to say do their research, but they really thought out the premise and what they wanted to accomplish here, and it showcases on film very well. Yeah, and I, I mean, like, this isn't the actor who plays. Well, I guess we might as well just get into the, the to the uh, the killer. This is an actor. His name is John Gallagher Jr. This is an actor I've seen in a bunch of things, particularly things that of note is like he's in the newsroom, which is one of my favorite shows. He's awesome in that polar opposite type of character to this. He's more of a Jim from the office kind of character in that, although more conceited. And also, uh, Tank Cloverfield Lane. He's the, oh, the nice. second lead in that. He's awesome in it. Very different character. This is far and away one of my favorite performances from him. Because he is so fucking mean. Like, he's just so... Just... he He's, so, he's just such a cruel person. And... They deliberately do not give you a motive for this for this killer. They do showcase that this isn't his first rodeo, because yeah. you see his crossbow with the he he crosses, crosses out the people yeah. killed. Uh, which again, that's a that's a chilling moment too. It's they don't just, tell you it's it's what it is either. It's just very easy to assume. Yeah, it's just like what else is it? He's not gonna be like I put a dash for everybody I am. It's just like I assume yeah. that's why it's there. You know, I'm glad they did scratching it. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't do that. It, it's That'd be a very story. '90s thing to do. Yeah, it's subtle storytelling, and yeah. you know, like, it's not a character. He's not a character who gets much development. They don't, you know, do any kind of crazy broad strokes thing where he, you know, says, you know, I do this because my dad beat me as a kid, and you know, all that stuff. Like, there's nothing yeah, there. That'd be there's an no easy mode. way to ruin the entire movie. Exactly. Um, that's what would happen if you had Rob Zombie direct it. Um, but yeah, like he's a really chilling villain because he is someone I could see in a neighborhood just there the only thing about him that just is super ostentatious maybe is his tattoo but that's about it really honestly he's a very innocuous looking person 
and that's kind of what makes it scarier to me. The only thing I don't like is that they established and set up the mask he wears earlier on, and yep. it's a very generic, bland design, but it lends itself very well to this film, and they lose it very fast. And I yeah. know there's a, a lot of scenes where, like, my favorite scene in the movie is when he's talking to the first victim's uh, boyfriend. Yeah. You can't have that scene with him wearing a mask. It but, makes sense. Yeah. But that we scene, that scene does start, right? Like, he walks up. He could just take it off before he talks to him. Yeah. If anything, if he did that and he saw a mask in the corner as another way of leading, like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? That'd be even cooler. Like... I just wish, because they know that this is a cool design. They know the aesthetic fits, because it's in a lot of the trailers, it's in a lot of the promotional material. It's the thing they show. It's not in the movie a lot, and I really wish they stuck with it. It's like, well, it's not personable, it's not real. I understand that, but at the same time, this dude is fucking stalking a deaf girl. And at the same, that, that doesn't happen very often either, but why the fuck can't he wear this weird fucking mask i like the mask keep it on or have it on during certain parts like the final battle mask gone the boyfriend scene mask gone the scene where he's hunting though i would love to have had have the mask on when he's having up the, the crossbow having that mask on be fucking so cool yeah i can definitely i can definitely it's another thing like you know this 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 is going to be a, a complete review of me saying i can see where you're coming from yeah so, i don't think it's a a complaint. It's just what you would the preferred. actor does good stuff, and he he sounds very convincing, and I think yeah. he does a great portrayal and performance. It's just sometimes like the facial, like the the, the, the facial fucking uh, emotion that he does. It's not that it's not totally there. It's just there's not a whole lot of direction for it, and it's just I wouldn't say bland. And you could say well, he's trying to be emotionless. You could say that, but it doesn't strike as much. You put that mask on, it's already emotionless. And it's striking. You could have, you had that mask on, you'd have a lot more images that just stick out in your brain. It doesn't yeah. detract from the movie, but I just don't like the fact it's like, clearly the mask is cool. We're putting it in the promotional material. Don't worry, it's in fucking five minutes. Yeah, one of I'll say, as much as I definitely can see where you're coming from i love the fact that his face is exposed for one thing it's a fucking great pin drop moment when he pulls the mask off because of the whole like like i haven't seen your face if you go i won't tell and he's just like you've seen it now haven't you i'm like that's fucking that's so 100 right you're 100 right you you lose nothing if he does that though and then puts it back down yeah but for me i love seeing the whole face because like yeah sometimes he definitely has this kind of like callous you know blank facial expression but his eyes are so fixated and they're, they're the eyes of a hunter who is looking at his prey and yes you can get that with the, with the mask on I know you can get that with the mask on but I feel like it's way more chilling when you can see the human face behind it personally Maybe. I, I'm coming at it from from fucking artist brain over here, so that's why I just think they had a great visual they should have stuck with, and I would have appreciated it more. But I yeah. wouldn't say it's a gripe with the film, more as like a preference in general, because like I, a lot of the other things I think could add to it more, and like 
would make the film stronger. I just think visually that shit would be really cool if they had the mask. Because I like the design. I like it. Because the, the, the mask being just a white, bland mask, but everything else being very dark and shrouding, it, it's a fucking really complete aesthetic. Yeah. I definitely, I, I definitely, like I said, I, I could definitely understand where you're coming from on that. But I definitely like the, the whole, especially because he has dialogue. It it continues this this uh, this human terror, where it's just like this is somebody who you can walk by on the street. For me, it's it's basically the perfect version of what I'd say like like when I think of a serial killer, the way that contemporarily we think of them. He's a guy that you could walk by on the street, except he's killed fourteen people. Yeah. So I I personally find what is that sixteen. Was it 16? I can't remember. I, I can't remember what the... No, what no. The, 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 the crosses are 14. Well, there are 14, 14. but... He's, the, he kills more people, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just can't remember. I couldn't remember how many were on the, the crossbow. I'm just saying, I don't know if he counts... Uh, Non-crossbow kills. He counts Sarah yet on the crossbow. He clearly doesn't count the other dude because he doesn't have a fucking crossbow at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I don't remember. I, he, they definitely don't show him scratching it, so I don't think he does. Yeah, so I, we'll assume 16. Yeah. But, well, I think I want to talk about my favorite scene. But first, we should talk about the characters. I think his, his performance is great, and we've been covering his tracks a lot. But you know, the main girl is played by—you've told me—Flanagan's wife, and she's fantastic yes. in the entire film. You never feel like she's not actually deaf. During she's inc- she's incredible, and I haven't seen her give a bad performance in anything. Mm-hmm. She so good the, the depths of him like again I come back to the scene where, where he's where she says you know like I won't I won't tell you know I haven't seen your face just watching her react to him removing his mask knowing that this the attention no matter what is she's gonna fucking die she the look on her face she's just she's shocked she's in agony she's just terrified and it's all like she can't talk the whole movie except for except for the parts of her where she's having an out of body body experience thinking and talking to herself with her mother's voice quote unquote um but she can't talk in most like a, a lot of the, the the expression in movies oftentimes like a lot of it can be dialogue and because she has none it's so much more work on Kate Siegel to really show what she's feeling and make it convincing at the same time. And, you know, that that goes from her emotional acting to her physicality in the film, which I think is also fantastic, including when she gets injured because she really throws herself into that stuff. It's That's very my impressive. part of her in the film is the physicality. My favorite scene with her especially is the scene where she's trying to reload the crossbow. It feels very very real and very painful she does a great job with it yeah it's like I remember I, I was talking like, it, it's it's fucking difficult to, to, to reload a crossbow especially from I, I, was, like, I wish somebody could tell her like from that perspective from that position she that's, that's half her problem yeah but yeah it, that scene alone it feels like he's standing outside the window and like taunting her while she's doing that and while she's doing it too which makes it even more fucked um and she had a, she already had a crossbow bolt through her freaking leg. Um, yeah, she's she's just Kate Siegel's so good. 
just in everything. I mean, like you, you haven't seen Hill House. I know I have to watch something before you'll watch Hill House, willing, willingly. But she is a main character in Hill House, and she's fantastic. She, I think she's in pretty much every one of his movies, as far as I know. I know she's in Oculus, um, but she's. It, it's one of those things where like, you can easily say it's nepotism. Um, just because, like, I think of like Rob Zombie with his his wife, wife yeah. every single one of his movies, pretty much. Um, but here it's actually warranted because he's hiring, uh, yeah, it's his wife, but she's an incredibly talented actress and he utilizes her perfectly. He knows how to utilize her. Yeah. She know he knows her strengths and she always comes to play. So with these two characters, we've pretty much already talked about half the cast in the movie. <laughs> Only there's, four people. Oh, there's five people in the movie. There. Yeah, there's five because the, the sister's on screen for like five she's seconds. Barely, yeah, she's barely on there. But the only other characters are the neighbor to the deaf girl, which is, I believe her name is Sarah. Yeah. You meet her in the intro, you get to know her and Maddie's nice. relationship, and it's very fun, very heartwarming. They feel like really good friends. She dies very fast on screen, so it's already a very like strong, fucking heart-wrenching kill. It's brutal, and, too. And when they're hanging out, she talks about her boyfriend, John but we never see him at all in the film until during the invasion and she's hiding from the killer he randomly shows up and this is a, this is a really easy character to fuck up the boyfriend that you that as far as we know like we don't care about at all yeah bringing him in it's really easy to make this character already detestable also fucking like 6 foot tall white jock like really fucking easy to make detestable stereotypical kind of idea but he comes off very fucking emotional you feel he really is worried about his his girlfriend and he seems like a very genuine guy and he runs into the killer and the killer which comes up with a lot of bullshit on the spot but enough bullshit to seem believable but he gives off small little minute things that triggered uh, John's perspective to him and at one point when he pulls his, uh, John's phone out because he let him borrow it to give it back to him, the the girlfriend's earring calls comes out. In one of the smartest scenes I've ever seen in a horror movie, John doesn't say anything. He doesn't he doesn't physically react. He doesn't blow up. He tries to plan to put the killer in a spot where he is easy to take over in the situation. He says, oh, I think there's a key actually for Maddie over there. As he starts to walk over, he picks up a rock, perfectly framed scene, and he's about to attack him. Maddie doesn't know what's going on. She has no clue at all. So she just sees the killer out of frame. She might not even see her. She sees John, starts banging on the door. He looks over, split second, immediately stabbed in the neck. There is not an instant where you could think anybody is at fault or there's any illogic bullshit that could happen. This is just an expertly crafted scene. The entire thing is so ripped with just tense atmosphere. And you you want him to kill this killer. You already know he, he killed his girlfriend. And you already feel for the man. He's got emotional weight. And you feel so fucking ripped to shreds as soon as he dies. And yeah. as he's dying, stabbed in the neck... He still tries to put him in a chokehold and choke him out. And he tells and he Maddie almost, to run. He almost gets yeah. him. It's it's a fantastic scene for a character so, that's not in a film for more than five to seven minutes. 
in every second he's in is so fucking tense. It's a fantastic scene. One of the best directed scenes I've ever seen in a horror film. I don't fucking care what anyone says. It really sucks, too, because it's like... You can tell, like, Maddie, from her perspective, it's easy to understand that she's looking at him and the killer's down the stairs, but he's kind of looking around a bit, so maybe he doesn't know that the killer's there. So she's trying to draw his attention to the killer who might be behind him. Yeah. And by drawing attention, he's left open to getting killed. Yeah. So it's really heartbreaking because technically she caused his death. Yes, but Uh, it's so unintentional. That's it's, like, it's like there's there was no other way that was gonna go. You watch the film and you're so mad. You're like, oh, I wish she didn't fucking do anything, but you know that she doesn't know this. It, she had yeah. no idea. It's so yes. fucking well done. And and this like, what, this may be for my own um, personal recollection, but or like how I was feeling the film out from the beginning is that when she's talking to Sarah, they feel very close. Like they, to, I I almost could think that like Maddie could could be in love with Sarah. So with the fact when she meant like brings up her boyfriend, she seems a little like, I don't really want to do that. So I'm on the bat at that point in the movie in the beginning. I'm thinking like, oh well, maybe John's a bit of an asshole. Maybe she doesn't like him. So when this happens, and there's a, it's the polar opposite, and John is dying and he's trying to save Maddie. I'm like. I've never been fucking switched like that before in a film. Ever. I've never gotten the vibe of something and been so completely off by the end of it like that. Yeah, for me, it's it's more of a situation where I, I looked at it as... Because she was asking, she's like, hey, do you want to come, um, you know, have, have dinner with us? Because she burnt her dinner. Yeah. Um, you know, me and me and John were, were going to have dinner together, so yeah. you, you can come over, we'll have plenty of food. And she's she has this isolated feeling she always feels isolated yeah from um so she's basically pushing people away from her because a she has her own disabilities it kind of limits her ability to i'm sure converse with people and get in touch with them personally and also um she's also dealing with her own relationship issues they revealed with Craig yes. her, her ex-boyfriend so I'm, a, I'm sure you know being a third wheel is not fun yeah and, uh, and I'm not saying that the way I felt was what's put in no no film. I know I could 100% be reading way more into it but I, I just feel because I read into it and I had those pre cognitive ideas in my head about maybe this is why just maybe that's why that flip felt way better and I felt way more involved in the film I, I loved it I, and like I said if John didn't die and he was able to kill the killer would I be way happier yeah but I wouldn't be sitting here talking about an expertly crafted scene though yeah for me like you saw it that way for, for me it's they are very close friends because they both like she lives out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> both of them essentially she's obviously close enough to get there on foot um so they're basically to me I look at them like they're really close friends because they're the only people around so when he shows up I I don't know so much that I I think you know again like the whole romantic angle to it but oh my god when he shows when he shows up and he's he's fighting for her it's really heartbreaking yeah it's like again like you said like John's barely on screen he's on screen for maybe four minutes Four or five minutes, but again, 
they really they pick a good actor for it. He did a really great job. Fantastic. He seems um, so so easy to to fucking like want to like. He seems so likable. He's such a natural. He did such a natural job, and you know, again, the way that it's edited, the way that it's filmed, uh, just it's such a very tense scene. And the when and when he gets stabbed, it's so matter of fact. It's not some super showy moment. No, it just like it's it's a it's just a, a, a swift just boom, it's done. And it's like he gets stabbed, and it, like even even the killer sounds like it's over. So it's stop, stop, stop. Yeah, stop and stop. And even then, like he's like he's down on the ground. He still fucking knocks the killer down, and he and, has. And him even before he does that, too, he also gets sliced in the leg too, right behind yeah. the knee too, which makes you nearly immobile. Yeah, and he still knocks the killer down on his ass, and he puts him in a chokehold, and he you could tell he almost gets him. It's so close. He almost kills him. And then he just dies. It's one of the most brutally tense scenes I've seen in a while. And it's really sad to watch because it's just like he's so close. He's so he's got the rock. If Maddie didn't bang on the window, he would have clobbered him. And even the guy remarks about it, he's like, Yeah man, you know, you're 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 bigger than me. You know what you know I probably couldn't take you. And you know that's that's what your plan was. You're gonna hit me with a rock, huh? And and he the the thing about the scene that really chills me is he looks up at the window and he says, "Yeah, but she, you know, she, I, I didn't expect her to help me." He's like, "Yeah, oh by the way, thank you." And I'm like, "That's so yeah. fucked up. That's so cruel." Because just like, "Hey, you did this, not me. You did this." Like that's so fucked up. I love that goddamn scene. Yeah, I like I said, I may not love this movie, but this individual scene is one of my favorite scenes I've seen in a horror film. I've never been so fucking shocked to my core with the way a scene is directed like that before. Because there's times when I could like a character and they died, it's like, ah, it sucks, but I've never had my expectations turned, I've never had the tense atmosphere completely change on a dime and just everything flip like that. And everything make perfect logical sense, too. It's just expertly done really the director just shows how much he knows his craft in that one scene not like he does in the rest of the film the rest of the film he does too but i i could just go on and on about that scene it's fucking perfect i love it the other scene in the movie that really gets me is pretty much the ending of the film where uh you know she finally says just come in the fucking house just do it get it over with after she has her whole you know out of out of mind state fucking plan out and um, when when she calls him in and she's, he's chasing her through the house when he sneaks up behind her in the bathtub it's a very very simple scene and it's to me in, in, indicative of someone who thinks they have the control of the situation that they really don't pay attention to the little things yeah, which is that character to a nutshell. Yes. And, you know, he he has her dead to rights. He has her, but he just had to speak. See, that scene, I like it, but I there's one thing I really don't like about it. It's the same thing I like with a, I don't like with a lot of films is that when he goes to stab her and he, he like breathes on her, I'm fine with that. I just really hate the fact it's like 
she moves at the perfect way to dodge his knife blade and stabs him back. I hate that shit. It's the same thing, like, when someone stops a bomb, it's exactly at one second. Like, that's stupid. She got extreme... Because that makes it seem like it's extremely lucky. I like the fact this girl is deaf. I like the fact that she does notice the breath on her. And I would have liked the fact that maybe she was going to get stabbed, but it's not like a boom, a matrix perfect miss, and then ah, right in the leg. If she just missed the blade and it wasn't a super duper close call and stabbed him, I would like to. I, I just really hate shit that's like that. Because that's a scene that to me becomes style over substance with the way it's shot. Yep. I just wish it was a lot less, ooh, just missed. Yeah, I think I think I would have more of a problem with that if it was like, that's how he dies. Yeah, that'd be, I would be, I would actually be pissed off. I would have more of a problem with it. But as it stands, like, yeah, I definitely would agree that it's like, it's very stylish. It's, it's a flourish that's kind of absent from the rest of the movie. Yeah. That's but, why it kind of bothers me. And like, I get that. For me, it's super satisfying to watch. <laughs> like, I don't know why. It's, it's just super satisfying to watch. Um, but I think it just I, functions the same if he just lifts his knife and he breathes on her, like takes a deep breath, like, and then that's how she knows. Yeah. I, I just there's so many different ways that I would just make it less annoying, I guess. Yeah, I don't have nearly as much of a problem with that, but again, it's that's a thing that I definitely can understand why you why you have a problem with. It makes sense. Um. I pers- I I love where that scene goes after though. Yeah, I love the entire final interaction and fight. The, the final showdown is awesome because it's her being scrappy and it's not her, you know, like just fucking like automatically turning into fucking Ellen Ripley or something. Like she yeah. he's just being resourceful. She's she's grabbing at things that she knows she can use. And I I guess kind of they do a similar thing again where towards the end, you know, like he's suffocating her and, you know, her heartbeat's slowing and she finally gets him. Yeah, I, I kind of hate the slowing thing, but... I kind of I kind of can get behind that a lot more, especially because she's so close to death that, like, you get hit with a dose of adrenaline and you're just gonna get him. And, he, and, he, think, and he thinks he's already won because she's playing dead at that point. Yeah, I, to me, it's more along the lines of, like, the movie's trying to be very realistic. And as soon as he lets go of the chokehold, she's like, okay, I'm good. It's like, you're good. Same thing beforehand, they, they do it where when she's walking towards the, to the kitchen, she's like losing her consciousness and she's like out of it. She, you could assume she's like about, she, she can't even see when she, she lays down at the cabinets. And then the rest of the film, she seems like she's not like perfectly fine, but like she's clearly conscious. And like you can say, it's adrenaline and stuff. It's, it just it's seems, fight or fight. It, it seems very weird that that's happening, where she also clearly should be having adrenaline in her, but she's just like uh, phasing out. But now she's not. See, to me, the way that the way that I read the finale, I mean, like again, like it doesn't really matter because I don't know what they what they were trying to really go for so much. But I read it more so as she was playing with his assuredness again. Like he thinks he he has control of the situation at all times when he doesn't. And she's playing with him, again, playing dead twice, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And she plays dead. She's not, like, going, <gasps> I'm back, and then stabbing yeah. him in the neck. She didn't go. Yeah. 
and then when when she hits him, he's surprised. Because I, I think it's easier that. to believe that if you don't have the director showcasing the heartbeat, from her point of view, her fading out or the heartbeat. You lose those two things. Heartbeat one less so to me, honestly. I I really think the heartbeat one is fine. I'm fine with a a burst of adrenaline when she's like she grabs hold of it. It's like. I'm okay more with her being like, wow, I got a grip, a grip of this. This changes everything. It's like getting a shot of adrenaline. Fine. To me, it's the fading out thing where it's like, she should be in fight or flight the entire time. Don't show her fading out. If you have the entire scene of her just fucking tumble over and then she looks dead, I believe that just like I believe fucking any slasher that's about to kill somebody gets faked out by the final, the final girl. I believe that just fine. I just don't like the whole... Ooh, thing, and then they yeah. show it like the, the whole fading out thing. Still, yeah, they, minor thing. It's just, just sometimes yeah. it does lend itself to because I wouldn't call the film style over substance, but I think sometimes in the film they do do things that are style over substance, which sucks because I wouldn't say if I was gonna tell someone to watch it like this is such a very heavily stylistic film and it may take things away because it isn't. But some scenes are like that, so it's weird. Yeah. I, I can definitely see that. I don't think it detracts. It's just... It doesn't make it... It doesn't... I guess it detracts for me personally, but it doesn't make the scenes bad at all. It just makes it a little... It would keep me from being at an absolute high. Instead of being up here, I'm like, oh, okay, so like I'm like right here right now. Yeah, I I'll actually be uh, kind of glossed over one of my favorite moments in the movie, which I think after this we can probably get into final thoughts because I yeah. think we talk about everything we can talk about. Um, it was a short movie. But, we pretty much covered everything. Yeah, I mean it's a like I said, it's a very bare bones kind of thriller. Like it, yeah. it's not it's a no frills kind of movie. It's easy to throw on. It's it's quickly paced. Uh, ironically, we haven't mentioned how she gets stabbed in the leg, but yeah, the the killer also gets stabbed. They they both are very close. They could both bleed out from these wounds, but yeah, they, you know. I, I think I think I personally think hers is a little bit worse than his, just because I where think he, where he gets is... hit, where he gets hit through the meat of his arm, he, he's not in much of danger of getting hit in the veins as she is. See, because she gets hit straight through her thigh, she could they could have hit the femoral artery. That's a really bad one. Maybe and, my my memory's bad, but I remember the wound on his arm being closer up. That's why I was I saw. Hey, dude. If it's that high up on your arm, you're fucked. <laughs> like, yeah. like I think if you got way, hit like you got hit like right here in your forearm, I'll be like, okay, you know, whatever. You got some thick yeah. meat there, cool. But I remember him getting hit here, and I'm like, you're not going home. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I definitely. You might be right. It might be higher. I definitely yeah. remember it though, not being near the veins themselves, at least where I picture them being. Yeah, I, I, I'm not an expert, um, but I believe fucking movie, anyways. Yeah, whatever. But he, but he's he. I believe his being less detrimental than hers, just because there's a lot of blood flow in your thighs. Um, that like, there's so many things that they could nick, not just major arteries, but you know, smaller veins and capillary. Like, there's so much havoc you can reach, wreak in someone's leg. So, I, I picture hers being definitely worse. But she gets shot with a crossbow because she she steps out at the wrong time. But. Yeah, um, my one of my favorite moments in the movie though is we talked about how she you know she tells him to come in, calls him a coward, writing in her own blood. This is a 
great little little piece of uh, extra extra sass. Uh, but uh, she, when as soon as she finishes that, and he's getting ready. He's bashing in the window. By the way, that strong, shot. strong fucking windows. I like that shot though, is because it's completely silent, and you see him just keep smacking and smacking yeah. and smacking. And the and the music is really good, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, like he's just bashing on that glass, strong glass. I didn't realize she had bulletproof glass. Um, but uh, she she runs over to her MacBook, and the first thing that she does is she writes down the description of him, mm-hmm. and you know tells her parents and her sister, you know, like I died fighting, you know, but gives the perfect description of her so that if she does die. She covered her ass, and this guy might still get his. Yeah, it's a cool moment. It's a, it's a smart attention to detail because like they make a big deal about how she's on her computer because she's a writer. Yeah. Um. So I, I thought that was a really cool little thing that they didn't have to do, but it really. Worked. <laughs> I think that's funny too because like when that happened to me personally, I was like, "This motherfucker is just gonna break that shit anyways." <laughs> like I just I was like. You know, he clearly knows to use that shit. He'd be an idiot not to break it. But there's other times he does some stupid shit, too, in the movie, but... You know, like, I, I still think, like, a lot of the time when he does things that i It's I'm smart like, of her to do it, though. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but like, I'm also... Because even even if they even if they smash... Even if he smashes that computer, they could probably still reconstitute the drive and get that back. Okay. So, uh, I mean, it depends on how much he smashes it, I guess. Um, but a lot of the things that he does that are not the brightest things again i can still chalk up to the fact that like he's still he's so arrogant about the situation because he knows that she's deaf and she's mute and he's just he automatically assumes he has the upper hand because he can hear and he has like he's he's more in control of the situation than her and like I yeah there's some things he does that that's like, true i th- i think that as a motive makes sense i just some things he does are so some things are too over the top like I've said to you before, like, when he climbs up the thing to get to her, like, I think he is so fucking on his own ass, like, yeah, dude, I'm gonna go up there and finish this bitch, whatever. But for him to just be like, yeet, there goes the fucking, uh, crossbow, it's like, that's, that's really fucking dumb. Like, if I was fucking, you cut my legs off, man, and, and you threw a crossbow up there, and you're gonna come at me, I'm like, I I definitely still have hands. I'm at the bare minimum gonna stab you in the eye with one of those crossbows. One of the fucking like the arrows. Yeah. She doesn't. I mean, he's he's fucking lucky. She doesn't do that. But yeah. she still fucking kicks him in the face. Like, and he falls. You bitch. Well, you fucking. You're an idiot. She she goes and takes a shit. It's like, I think he's very driven by the fact that he knows he's in power. But yeah. It, it is I an think that's a little stupid. much for me personally. It's a little much. Maybe, yeah. I, I think he, it's an objectively stupid thing to do. Yeah. But at the same time, like I can still picture someone who, who again is thinking less of this person because they're handicapped. Yeah. And I, I don't want to project too much onto the movie, but yeah, the woman. Yeah. And generally speaking, killers in movies, especially like this, think that they can't do anything. Yeah. I mean, don't expect her to fight do stupid things that they probably shouldn't do logically that's why i don't have a problem when he does the the whole fucking monologue in the bathroom that's a whole power dichotomy thing too that he has over her but i'm fine with him monologuing and that being his downfall because that you know he's a fucking idiot like sociopaths fucking serial killers and shit like that like it is about power 
It's like, oh, why does he just go up and kill her? That's not the point. It's not about having another body. There's, it's a whole mental thing. If it's not, if it's not a hunt, if it's not a chase, it's not fun for them. That I makes mean, I sense. Can't, I can't even, I can't even fathom that question just because, the, literally, the beginning of the whole situation, the whole point of the movie is he knows he can come in whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. That's not the point. The point is he's playing with her and torturing her yeah. mentally before he does it. He wants to destroy her first and then do it because he takes pleasure in it. And that is his downfall because he's he's because like even when like he could have just fucking killed her. Like the whole thing with the crossbow thing never had to happen to begin with. Yeah. But again, it comes down to a man who thinks that he just has all the power in the world. And like, yeah, I think that might be a little bit too far. Yeah, that, that the but, crossbow thing is the only thing too far for me. Like, I don't like the way how he goes for the stab and she ducks, but that's got nothing to do with the actual scene and the structure of him monologuing. That fits the character. I think a lot of things he does is very fitting for the type of character they're saying. I just think the whole is a little, a little much for me personally. But I think everything else fits. They establish why he would do that. They have the yep. scene where he kills John. And he goes. Hey, Jai, I think I should just go in there and finish her off. Nah, yeah, you're right. I can big, wait a little bit longer. He's exactly. got a big fucking Perfect. mouth. He's got a big fucking mouth. Yeah, so it fits. So, yeah, I can totally get where you're coming from with that. That's another. That's one of those things that I I find easy to suspend my disbelief for. But again, it, it is something that'd be like you would you just take a take a step back and remove yourself from situations. You're like, why the fuck would you do that? Why would you give her yeah. the weapon? You, it's yeah, your, it's yeah. it's one of your only weapons, and you just threw it at her. Yeah, she doesn't know how to load the yeah, crossbow. I, I, th- I think it'd but be she could still hit you with it. I think it'd be different if he, because I know he throws the bag. You know, I don't think he actually throws the gun up there. Yeah. So it's like, you know, if he doesn't throw the bag up there, and he, she just throws, he just goes no. up there with the gun. She beats the shit out of him, takes the gun. That's no. completely different. He, he comes up with it. She takes it from him and kicks him in the face. Exactly. That's different. It's just yeah. him throwing the bag is fucking stupid. Like, yeah. say... That, does, that doesn't say wind up has, she has one fucking arrow that's already loaded and she got it because she kicked the shit out of him and took that. Completely different. The fact he just yeets the fucking bag and it's like, hey, got more. No, the, the, the arrow she gets is actually mounted underneath the crossbow. Yeah. I just don't like the fact he threw the bag. I'm not well, saying has, that, like... She has two. She has two, technically, because she pulls the one out of her leg. Yeah. But... Yeah. I just think the fact that, like... It's fucking dumb. It's just... Yeah. It's just that thing is stupid. I'm the not bag... saying the scene is bad. I'm not saying the structuring behind it is bad or illogical. I just think him throwing that bag up there was stupid. It's the yeah. only throwing... thing he really does. Him throwing the bag up there, to me, like, there's not much in there for her to use. So... Yeah. That's not that bad. I mean, I guess it. I mean, I guess it makes sense to try to not have it weigh you down as you're coming up the ladder. But yeah. I, mean, I, I definitely if you left it on the ground. That would be different. I would. I if I were him, I definitely wouldn't have come up the ladder with the gun. Yeah. I mean, with the with the crossbow. I mean, actually, it might have been slung over his back, and she grabbed it and kicked him off. But either way, it's just like he, he even climbing up there was not an intelligent move. No, but, like, I would believe him to climb up there because he's, like, just fucking... She's stupid. I'm... I'm I can get a guy. Yeah. I get that. I think that's not illogical because you can understand the character doing that. I just think the whole... That's the only really illogical thing of him doing. It, more, more so than anything, it's just a waste of an action. Yeah. He doesn't need to do it. 
how you could drop the bag at the ground. Like, exactly. That's the thing. You just drop the bag and like, oh, I'll put this here and be like, okay, I believe that, you know. Very, very minor thing, but yeah. I yeah, it is a minor thing. I agree. It's not, it's not fucking make it or break it or anything. To me, to me, I mean, we're, we can just get into final thoughts. To me, this is like the the definition of pretty much a perfect home invasion film. It's it's set up with with likable with a likable heroine. The killer is suitably creepy and um, deranged, and it's every sequence pretty much is just directed with this masterful tension that. Is just it's, it's so undeniably impressive the way that this movie's made, especially because it's an independent film. It doesn't have a lot of money behind it. It's an isolated location film. It's just it's really it's a really well crafted movie, and I love this movie. This is like when I talk about like hidden gems I've seen over the past couple of years, especially in the horror genre. This is one I could definitely point to easily. It's just be like, this is this is a movie I don't see people talk about. Period. It's just it's such a, a movie that just flew under people's radars, and I definitely think that if you missed it, this movie came out the same year as Don't Breed, which is another really good home invasion thriller in my opinion. Um, that got a lot of attention. This didn't. If I if you guys missed this, I totally recommend you. It's easy. It's on Netflix. It's super short. Throw this on. Give it a chance because it's a blast. I like this better than Don't Breathe. That's fair. I mean, I, I I love Don't Breathe, and I know I like Don't Breathe more than you, so. That's, I, I wouldn't guess. say I like this better than, like, A Quiet Place, but I like Don't, I like it better than Don't Breathe. Yeah. I, I mean, I adore Don't Breathe, but we, I already knew that you weren't as high on that as me. Yeah. But what, what are your final thoughts on this movie? I don't think I love the movie, but I think I really enjoyed my experience, and that's something that I haven't gotten in a bit for films that are like first time watches Hollow Man was a surprise but I also can chalk a lot of that up to like I knew I was going to at least appreciate Kevin Bacon's performance I knew I was going to have fun with the concept because I like the Invisible Man concept yeah. but but for Hush I don't care about home invasion films I don't care about a lot of like not like mid 2010 uh, horror films or just films on Netflix so just to sit there, like sit down and have like a complete like blank slate. Am I gonna like this and be surprised to the length that I was and see an acts an absolute perfect scene in this movie was really nice, really fucking cool. It's it's just been nice, especially with the, the last film being Monster Squad, having two films that you know I might have watched them late, but I enjoyed both experiences. Has been nice. Especially knowing that when you're watching a movie so late, it can be really make it or break it. So, I enjoyed my experience. I had a great time with it. I don't think I love the movie, but I love the idea of the movie a lot. Does this movie uh, make you at all intrigued to investigate the rest of Flanagan's work? I just am not interested in the concept of Hill House, but I've always wanted to watch Doctor Sleep. I've always wanted to check out some of his other stuff, because I've always heard of, like, he's a great director. And I've seen the shots he did for Doctor Sleep, which I thought were really well done. Doesn't matter if they're like, oh, it's it's ripped from the movie of The Shining. It's it doesn't mean it's easy to replicate. Like he still did a fucking fantastic job. Yeah. So I'm okay, definitely I'm, interested to check out more stuff. I'm I'm excited because I know I have to get through um, finish the last two seasons of uh, Ash vs Evil Dead before you'll give Hill House a chance. But I'm yeah very intrigued because I think that you'll be surprised. Maybe. I, I just have a tough time getting through TV shows 
I don't blame you. It's a, it, it's at least short. Yeah, was it like six episodes, ten episodes? Maybe eight. It might be eight. Is it forty minutes or thirty? They're 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 they're, they're hour long shows, but ah, uh, they're I. I it's I short. It, it took me a while. The show itself, I mean, episode. Yeah. Wise, um, the show took me a while to get through, just because like I just again like I don't watch TV very often anymore, anyways, but. I, I don't want to guarantee you because I guarantee I, I, uh, you know, if I guarantee you and you watch the first episode you're like this shit boring like that would yeah. be an asshole but uh, I would watch the thing though I don't like forming thoughts on an episode basis like one no, by course. one but that's just, a really I'm, easy way to say I don't like something yeah I'm just excited for you to, to watch it because it, it, it's a very on the surface it looks like such like a normal like haunting show but I love it it's it's a multifaceted haunting I'll just say that it's really interesting and very character focused which I think you'll appreciate so I definitely am excited to see what you how you feel about that one alright how many fuck on a score of like 1 to 10 how many fucking blank masks would you use for 5 minutes 9 really 9 I adore this movie okay like I said, perfect one of the per- most perfect invasion home invasion thrillers. Off the top of my head, the ones I think of is this Don't Breathe and um, Straw Dogs. Straw Dogs is probably objectively the best because it's Sam Peckinpah, but I, I just adore this movie. This is my favorite home invasion movie. More more than Don't Breathe. I like this movie more than Don't Breathe. Um, what about you? How many hammers to the forearm? Seven and a half, I'd say. How do you get half a hammer to the forearm? Just the, just the, just the head part? You use, like, um... You just use the hill. Like, you smack him with the hill. <laughs> you just give him, give him a little love tap on the bone? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I could break someone's fucking head with the hill of a hammer. I'm sure you could. You give, me a, you give me a hammer, and I grab it, and I smack the hill into their fucking forehead. Especially I if it's like mine. Oh, Ashley said during that movie, she's like, you know... When you're, when you're dealing with a sadist, never listen to their demands. I'm like, Ashley, I would open the door and kill him. <laughs> I would straight up open the door and fucking kill him. You put me in fight or flight with a man like him, like, he's gonna die. I might get a fucking severe stab wound and I don't have to go to a hospital. He's fucking dead. There's no way. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 pretty much the reason why he wouldn't have shown up at your house anyway, so. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're intimidated. You're fucked. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, this was a blast. I, had, I, I had a lot of fun. I'm glad you at least enjoyed the film. It's better. Like, I remember we were talking about it today, and I was like, "Oh man, it's gonna be another Wolfman situation." I mean, like you like that movie just fine, but there's um, not as much interesting about. I, it sounded like an asshole, but like I don't think there's as many ideas in the Wolfman that are more like structural or, or like like storytelling ideas as much as like imaginative ideas i think the wolfman has a key visual to it but i don't think the story is quite there and here there's some things that are style over substance but the substance is really good so i'm and it sounds weird like i'm i'm through and through like an artist for anything like if i have a visual to it i i'll grab onto it you give me a good visual and i'm gonna want to fucking put that in my house or try to develop off of that visual myself but that doesn't mean i don't appreciate characters and storytelling 
You could have the best design in the world, but if there's no character behind it, nobody's gonna fucking give a shit about it. Yeah, I I was more so like like I was expecting uh, more of a conversation like that, where it was just like I was like, yeah, I really love this, and you're like, I just think that sucks. Um, you asked me at like eight ten oh. in the morning, and I was like really fucking tired. You're like, how did you like? No, it? I know. I'm like, all right, it's all right. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's all right. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> I mean, like, I knew, I knew in my head, but I was sitting there thinking, like, yeah, he doesn't seem like he wants to talk right now, which means he's probably half asleep. So I'm just gonna stop talking until like eleven. I did a lot of work yesterday. I did a whole lot of work. Yeah, so I was, I was sitting there. I'm like, oh man, he really didn't like it. And I'm like, oh, he's probably just doesn't want to talk about it right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you at least enjoyed it. This is one I was, I was definitely excited for you to watch, just because it's like it's just a movie that. Again, like you wouldn't have seen this if we hadn't. No, hundred percent wouldn't have seen it. I'm glad you did because, like, I'm glad you. I'm glad, you, especially if nothing else, you got that one scene out of this movie and really loved oh, that. Scene. Easily, that scene. Oh. That scene will stick with me. I'm really happy I got to watch that in itself. Yeah, there's not many times I can see a scene that fucking breaks my heart, and I'm like, I adore this. <laughs> so that's really fucking cool. The next film we're gonna do is gonna be Leprechaun. <laughs> Yeah, because I I think a lot of people like hearing us talk about films we like, but it's even more fun to talk about films that are just fucking dog shit or bonkers. Yeah, and you've you've seen Leprechaun, right? I've seen the first two. I've never seen a single Leprechaun movie, so this is gonna be a weird. This journey. movie's fucking crazy, and that's why I can't wait for you to watch it. I'm not saying you're gonna like it. I'm not even saying I'm gonna like it. I'm just saying like it's gonna be fun to talk about. Just from watching the trailer, I'm like I might need a couple beers. Don't do that. I don't know. Afterwards, yeah, (laughs) I might need bourbon after that. It it does not. It looks like a movie that's gonna make me angry. (laughs) So we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully not. Hopefully, I have at least a good time with it. I will say at the bare minimum before we get into it because I know we haven't seen it yet. I like the design of the leprechaun. We did a great job with that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about that next week, and I hope you are too. Thank oh, you yeah, so bro. much for joining us for this episode. We both had a lot of fun. And I think next week's going to be even more fun to talk about. So, I'll see you then. I'll catch you later. Bye-bye.